Oh, please, please. By definition alone, they're inferior films. It's bullshit generalization. Many sequels have surpassed their original. Oh, yeah? Name one. talking about the first x-men movie not titled x-men probably because they wanted to keep it a secret (laughs) also the first x-men movie not starring hugh jackman smart move jackman (laughs) not featuring not starring okay i was about to say i was like do we call yeah or did did you like pass out for all of apocalypse (laughs) and you forgot you just woke up for his scenes and we're like oh he's starring in this one too (laughs) Well, we're we're talking about this one because it Dark Phoenix, the what fifth X Men, not including a spinoff. No, wait, no seventh, S- sixth. I guess. Well, there were three in the first, three in the second, and this is the fourth. So the seven. Yeah. Seven. Wow. Well, thankfully, this one was able to off of the heels of Apocalypse, which was a disaster. This one was able to restart the franchise and end it on a great note as it passed it off to disney and it it ended the sequel slump and all of what i'm saying is not true at all <laughs> it's, it's everything i just said is the opposite of well, especially i just want to highlight yeah. apocalypse x-men apocalypse being a total disaster we need to rewrite that narrative the movie's not that bad in fact i want to say given that they just did dark phoenix which is the dark phoenix saga and we've already seen the phoenix saga dark phoenix saga in x-men the last stand the best version of the dark phoenix we got was at the end of apocalypse it elevates the entire movie yes. the, the i whole... don't think it's a good movie so i'm in the disaster camp but okay fine there's enough you like the short film that i referenced last episode and you that end when she when sophie turner Jean gray goes ballistic and turns into the phoenix to it's defeat scene, apocalypse right? that's I, the yeah. best phoenix we've gotten iteration i've heard that to somebody who didn't see any else of the movie they went whoa is this movie really good this is amazing and i was like no no actually the rest of this movie is really bad (laughs) it even comments on how bad it is it in the movie it talks about how all trilogies are bad the third movie of each that's what gene gray says coming out of the movie theater they go to the mall in the 80s what are they coming out of return of the jedi yeah it was like an opinion at the time that I don't think anybody had. Were they right. poking fun at X-Men The Last Stand? But then inadvertently so. yes. poking yes. fun at themselves because yes. they yes. were the third yes. part of another trilogy? Well, they made a worse movie. I, I would take Last Stand over Apocalypse, probably. Really? i definitely go Apocalypse. But X-Men because Last Stand finishes, gets a bad rap. Yeah, I don't think it's... Because it finishes the arc with Wolverine and Jean Grey where you were like, screw Cyclops. They kill him off pretty quickly. And you're like, that was smart because this Cyclops didn't connect. And then to have the end with Wolverine, I thought it was pretty... I mean, I enjoyed it. I mean, there's things I don't like, no, it's mo- mostly yeah. because of the gifted storyline. But And they also don't do anything with Dark Phoenix. They just kind of... I just kind of stands next to Magneto for a lot of it. But Yeah. I didn't mind um, the gifted storyline, though. I mean, I like that idea that... Because the whole... There's so much of the series that it's, is this a gift or a curse? And then it's... But I don't think it, you, you should do, mix them together. No, 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 of course not. Of I course, they're two storylines. I actually don't think the dark... Like, I was... For this pod, I wanted to come up with 
a solution, a pitch for Dark Phoenix, how to fix the movie. I don't even think the storyline translates very well to film. Well, so that's an argument, though, for adding The Gifted, because, right, on film it doesn't seem... They always talk about the Dark Phoenix being, like, this great comic book arc. It doesn't seem that interesting or complicated. Anything I've heard, yeah, maybe it is fine being the B-plot, cinematically. Because think about it, in that movie, did you want more of Jean Grey in that whole... I wanted her to be more interesting when she was the Dark Phoenix. She just kind of became, like, evil and had no personality, and I'd rather if she was, like, conflicted but had this, like, power and it would just take take over her and she was mm. kind of this it was almost like a bipolar just kind of shifting back and forth and i did i did agree with that movie that it wasn't some outside force it was something internal within her that broke that she was her powers were just getting too they were just getting out of her which is more interesting in the new yes. one there's this alien that goes in her that's part of the storyline is there's this in the in the comic is a phoenix force it's called that comes from space and causes so that's that's why i almost feel like comics not even as interesting as the last yeah. stand but I, for me it's just it's not a storyline that's uh, certainly doesn't seem it like needs it. it does need to be combined with something else but i think the gifted one is not the one to combine it with that may be true but i'm just saying individually on its own merits because I, I i thought you were saying you just didn't like that gifted storyline i do like that question for somebody like a rogue let's say where because so many of the Mutants, the power yes. is like, yes. of course that's a superpower. Yes. Why would you want to get rid of that? But there's all, some where it's yeah. more of a curse. So it's like, would you want to get rid of that if you could? Like the kid who can change the channel with his eyes. <laughs> I would really come in handy now with Netflix. My God, think about that. That was before all the streaming Ooh, and binging. Wow. Yeah, it saved so much time. He'd be like the most popular person in the world. Although, if he was doing a Netflix and chill with a lady, and or a guy, I don't know what his preferences were, and they're watching set it up or something or only be my maybe and then he closes his eyes to kiss to lean in for the kiss and it changes the movie it changes the channel and they no you, we were just what does it put movie. on instead oh, that's the question <laughs> and every time he shuts his eyes to kiss it it's jarring and jerk because the new music comes into his channel cuts <laughs> see i imagine him scrolling at such a rapid speed that he would like knock out whoever he was with whoever he was chilling with it would be like because that's that's the thing for all you netflix and chillers don't scroll too much it starts to wear people it wears them down you get a little dizzy yeah especially because if you're the one clicking on the thing on the button to change the channel it's easy for your eyes but somebody who's watching you do it is like stop that's why you get more sick when you're uh, if you're the passenger in a car Mm. yes because like my if i'm driving and i jerk a little to the left to avoid something you know it's coming my body prepares for it because they know it's coming but the other person just gets jostled and jerked that's why you always get kind of more nauseous in the in the passenger seat. We're helping you out, people. That's what we're doing here. We're helping you change the channel, scroll through your Netflix. For anyone holding the remote or the driver's wheel or the throttle, just be weary of the, the people around you. Be conscious. But really focus on the traffic also. <laughs> That's the most important. Oh, my most God. Why did you crash into that car? Well, I don't want to jostle you around, for God's <laughs> sakes. So... I remember we, we were commenting on this the trailer for this Dark Phoenix. Uh, I think it was in March. Where it was so obvious in the trailer that Mystique was the person who dies in that scene. Jennifer in, Lawrence's Mystique. Not to be confused with Rebecca Romaine. Not that it was Seamus. like in the movie wasn't like, oh my God, Mystique's dead. And we were also both confused by the timelines. 
Oh, because you didn't understand. You were like, wait, shouldn't? And a lot of people were like, wait, shouldn't they be like Patrick Stewart age and Ian McKellen age? Well, let's put it this way. Let's put it this way. This movie, Dark Phoenix, takes place ostensibly in '92. Yes. The first X Men, which presents itself as being the first class, you mean? No, 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 no. The very first X Men, where we first meet Hugh Jackman's Wolverine and Patrick Stewart's Professor X, because these two separate trilogies or quadrilogy and a trilogy with days of future past co- you know overlapped we we have to assume that the similar timelines so this most current movie dark phoenix takes place in 1992 which you wouldn't really oh i didn't realize something there's so oh. many overlaps with captain marvel and captain marvel all about the 90s 90s yes. this 90s this that 90s this is also a 90s movie it doesn't make one reference though to the 90s right well it's kind of nice it was a relief after captain marvel i got I, there's enough yeah. 90s references to, <laughs> for the rest of the year and then some and i'm a 90s guy but this one this dark phoenix takes place in 1992 you have mcavoy you got fassbender they're middle-aged they're they're still pretty sprightly right they're spring chickens still 2000 is when X-Men, the very first X-Men movie that came out. That's when it came out. Ostensibly, it comes out, that it was in real time. It wasn't in the past or the future. I mean, yeah. So you're telling me that in eight years, Fassbender and McAvoy become Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen? And I would argue oh. that if they age that much in an eight-year span, Whatever stressed them out, whatever gave them that, that much whoa. anxiety to age them that much, that's the eight years we should be watching on that's film. That's the movie we should watch. Is <laughs> yeah. how it stressed them out so much. <laughs> See, I have a theory. I just came up with it right now. That the reason, and this is actually, they've said this, I think the creators have said that when Days of Future Past happened, it rewrote history. So that the it timeline, reset it. Yeah. yeah, so that the timeline we saw in the first three isn't going to happen anymore. So my theory is, because it changed only because Wolverine came back in time. So Wolverine is in their time period. Mm-hmm. They discovered through his healing a way to keep people younger. So McAvoy and Fassbender are always going to look that age. They'll never age. Yeah. Because think about it. If you actually look at it, Dark Phoenix is set in 92. And then Apocalypse is supposed to be in 83. So they haven't aged at all. <laughs> so Days of Future Past is supposed to be 10 years old earlier than that which they haven't aged and then the first class was to be even plus 10 years even more than 10 <laughs> years God. before that Why? so in a huge amount of time they haven't aged really they've aged in like five years, years essentially they've aged, they've aged no, yeah next to nothing un, un, in no, an unnoticeable amount wait a minute and and why did dark phoenix need to take place in 1992 why couldn't it take place in 83 right after a part why this is literally no know. significance. I, Why one of my pitches includes the movie taking place r- right, right after, after Apocalypse because the world almost blows up. He literally, in the movie Apocalypse, the, this mutant of all mutants, the god of all gods, it sends all of our nukes, like, what, out, out of space? What, remember? He, like, shoots. He's like, yeah, no yeah, more yeah. weapons. Oh, yeah. And he, like, like wipes it. out tons of scenes, tons of uh, uh, countries with uh, massive earthquakes and... I like that the bad guy in it, his first thing is to get rid of all the nuclear weapons. Because he is a nuclear weapon. Right, but that was just a funny... It's just funny that he even thought of that, because I feel like normally it's, wow, we're going to threaten you with nukes, Mm -hmm. and we're going to blow up the world. And he's like, we got to get rid of these things. Right, I don't... These strengthen you, give you power against me. I can get rid of these. I don't need these. There's such a... It's such an an American way of viewing things, where apocalypse... 
learns all about humanity through the TV. He's like, I can t- yeah, I have yeah. the I have the power to touch TV and know everything about the world. And you're like, that's really a small percentage of how the world. It would have been works. funny if his his information was really misguided. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. His powers are just so nondescript in that movie, but we'll we'll cover that maybe in another It just feels like he's just supposed to be God, but but it's, does, you remember yeah. he does the power of the sand? People, a lot mm-hmm. of people had problems with that because it was like it seemed like a who knows what he's doing. But and then it's like I'll never use that power again. And you're like, well, that seemed like I would have come. And also, it's like you're supposed to be the god, but his first thing he does is like, I need recruits. It's like, no, you don't. Yeah, you don't need anybody. You're so powerful. You're like the most powerful dude. Your first mission should be get Professor X. I don't know. That's funny. That's your argument. My argument was that he's like, I need to get the four horsemen of the apocalypse. He describes them as the four most powerful mutants. And he does. But oh yeah. Well, one guy has wings. Psylocke, Olivia Munn has like a a whip that's electric lightning or something. They're not the most power. I mean, Storm is the only one. She's a goddess. She's a god. Yeah. Aurora Monroe and Magneto. Those are two of the power most powerful. The other two are not at all the most. Is Magneto even the most? Really? I guess so. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. He's really powerful. I guess he is. So those two. But the other dude is just an an, an archangel no, no, no. with he wings. makes no sense. He, in what in world? It, how is he this? He's this ultimate, one of the strongest X-Men. He lost in a battle to Nightcrawler. Yeah. Which was a dumb fight sense. to begin with. Yeah. Which I, it's like, how do you ever get Cage if you're Nightcrawler? This this interpretation of Nightcrawler in these movies is, is so bad. Like, think about what we were coming from. And think about what he was like in the comics. This is like, has to be the lamest version we've ever seen of any. Well, how do you mean? You think this Nightcrawler is co- like a cool character? Remember how cool no, he was what? in one like one scene alone in X two? But the scene is cool. But I don't know that that makes the character. I mean, well, I don't know. Explore that Just a little. The way he look, the look of the character, the styling. Well, the I fact. have that problem with a lot in the second series. Yes. I mean, Mystique I mean, doesn't too. look Mystique half Mystique as good. Too. A lot of the people don't. I mean, well, Mystique should be a villain. She's not a good character. Sure. Her power is. Is is bad? You one time described the second series as the uglier version of. <laughs> you took Farmka Jansen and Rebecca Romaine and James Mars and whoever else. You're like everyone else is just. It's a lot less attractive. Smaller and less attractive. <laughs> Smaller and less attractive than their former counterparts. Halle Berry in the first one. <laughs> That's a tough one. I mean, Halle Berry is definitely. I mean, not to compare the bio, like I like Alexander Shep. She's very. I like Alexander Strauss in say the new series too. I get what you're saying, but, but yeah. But I also like Jennifer Lawrence, so it's not. It's just. But she, I don't like her from, as Mystique. No, no, no. And well, it's funny. Really, that Rebecca the big, Romaine, the big is difference just a model. Is, is 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 Marsden to Ty Sheridan? That's a huge, huge gap. In what way? Attractive wise. Oh, oh, sure. Oh, yeah. yeah, like, yeah. Okay. Although you can barely tell with the visor on. Who yeah, that would what, be my yeah. first thing I yeah. would change with Cyclops for movies. I he he just doesn't seem to be working with the vibe. I know that's like a comic thing you have to do. I would just have it like, oh, he takes eye drops or something, something that like makes it so he can control. It's part. Or, of, I have a pitch for that. So or Oakley. I mean, doesn't he one in one of the movies he just wears Oakleys that are red? Just do that. But it didn't work. Yeah, I guess some of it is his well. character is just like nothing. It's yeah, just like, nothing I'm the I'm a guy. It's funny because you don't realize. It took another five years for us to realize how funny and exuberant and charismatic James Marsden was, because that was like one of our, that and uh, Disturbing Behavior, the early Katie Holmes picture, written by uh, Scott Rosenberg, Rosie. Those two movies, he's got nothing going on. You're like, Mm. what a blank slate. And then when 27 Dresses comes out, you're like, oh, this guy's like funny and charismatic. Now we got him in Taco Bell commercials that are 
funnier than they have any reason to be. And then Sonic the Hedgehog is going to undo all of that. Who else can you think <laughs> Set of? Set him other- back 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> what other actor uh, can you think of that, uh, that's, that had that, like, they were pretty bland? bland. Seemed like there was nothing there. Uh, we've definitely seen that and before. And then they just out of nowhere, you're like, wait a second. There Let me think some- on that. Let's move on and okay. I'll come back to that. There's definitely a bunch of people that that... Well, wait, isn't Alexandra Ship a good example of that? We saw her as Storm. Did you, you didn't, after Apocalypse, you wouldn't have thought, oh, wow, what a dynamic actress. No, but I, I mean, she gets so few lines and things to set, to do, I'm like. But I still thought, meh, and the accent I wasn't 100% sure yeah, about. But then we saw Tragedy Kills, Tragedy Girls. It's, with I like her this and, movie so much, I can't remember. Well, well wait a minute. Tragedy also, Girls, it's two Girls. X-Men, because she's. Uh, oh, you're right. That's teenage mutant ninja nego Sonic Warhead from the Brianna Deadpool movies. Hilde, Hildebrand? Brianna Hildebrand. The two of them, two X-Men. Uh, Tragedy Girls, underrated flick. That'll definitely be a Forgotten Fridays flick. Um, And she's really good at it. And she's totally charismatic, exuberant, whatever word you want to say for it, right? She's great in that movie. And totally would have missed an X-Men. It's a perfect example. If we saw Jennifer Lawrence in this in these X-Men movies before seeing her in a David O. Russell, we would have thought differently. She's not good in these movies. No. No, she's... she's she, I'm surprised she kept doing them. Yeah. I, honestly, I was like, why not just stop after... I, I don't know. It made no sense. I don't know why Mystique was in the first movie, first class. She yeah. wasn't good in that one, and I don't know why they, yeah, they kept They going. kept building her up because she's Jennifer, Jennifer Lawrence, Lawrence, except it's nobody like, goes to see X-Men movies to see Jennifer Lawrence. It's, she's, it's like her star power wasn't even... She gets lost in this 10,000 people. Use, in them. They don't use the, the power she has. She's hardly right. ever changing, and it never... <laughs> right. you, Rebecca Romaine was constantly changing to people that made it so she could sneak around and do things. That yeah, you're, you're like, right. wow. Even though Magneto only has, like, three ex, you know mutants on his side, he has, like, such powerful ones, and she's part of it. Yeah. You're right. In Dark Phoenix, she doesn't change into anybody except Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. That would have been a funnier twist. If she starts a, she as Jennifer Lawrence, like a, a Ocean's Twelve type of uh, yeah, you're right. She doesn't Lawrence. become anyone. She doesn't use her power at all. She, she does in Days they of Future have Past. Cast her but... as somebody else. It was the as soon as they found out. Like I, if you said in Days of Future Past she wasn't Mystique or one of the like they, she became a new character, I wouldn't have been upset. I wouldn't have been like, wait, what's happening? This can't happen. I don't know what you mean. If Are you talking was, about Jennifer Lawrence or Mystique? Like just, is, is rewritten out, and she's actually. A new Jennifer Lawrence is a new mutant, a different mutant. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure if you meant that Mystique was using her power to look like somebody else, and then you just have somebody else play her the rest of the time. Which you could also do. Yeah. And then in the end, you just have a cameo, and the person becomes, and it's like, it was me, Jennifer Lawrence, the whole time. Ha <laughs> ha. There was no Peter Dinklage. I'm the bad guy. You're going to be in the movie. We're going to give you your rate, but you only need to be in one scene. Yeah. <laughs> I had some questions. Regarding the movie, did you want to go into the movie first, like the story and the? Wait, I have one. My I have one big gripe. Yes, from the outset. Okay, X Men First Class. I'm not a big fan. We recently rewatched it, and we people seem to people love, love the movie. It's not very. I'm a huge Matthew Vaughn, the writer and director yeah. fan. That one sticks out like a sore thumb to me. It's not good. The actors aren't cool. You got Lucas Till from Monster Trucks and MacGyver. He sucks. Costumes suck. It's a terrible power too. He has he a spins lot of a red have, disc around his like waist. You're like, that's not interesting. 
Most of the mutants that are on their little team don't yeah. have cool powers. Zoe right? Kravitz, yeah. We wish she had a good power. Hey, I like Zoe Kravitz. But you're right, her I, power, she's playing a little fairy. I like her too. That makes sense. And she should have kept being in more of these movies. She was actually a good mutant if they picked... Like, imagine her as Mystique. Let's go. Sign me up. I'm in. Ooh, I like that. Right? She'd be a cool Mystique. She's smaller too. Right? Sneak I don't know in. what that has to do with anything. I don't know. Maybe she could she sneak have to around sneak in. She could become a small person. She's Mystique. She could become anyone. I know. I know, I know. <laughs> it's less blue paint to put on. Maybe the process. Mystique could just become Zoe Kravitz. Oh, that's cool. Now right? She could become anyone. Anyway, first class. I don't like the movie. And one of the worst things is the costumes are horrible. It's just not fun watching. Well, there's no good scenes either. Like I was watching the movie and I kept being like, "Uh oh, another one down that didn't work. Another silly Kevin Bacon None scene where he too. like absorbs a grenade and it looks ridiculous." Yeah, I didn't. I didn't care for anything. The only funny part is Wolverine's cameo, Hugh yes. Jackman's cameo. That's the best part. Fuck of off, he says. They come. They're and trying to do their recruitment. Of, and he just says, "Fuck off." And they don't even say anything, and then they walk away. That's kind of what I was, you know, saying to the movie when I was in the theater watching it. Yeah, exactly. Um, but the costumes look terrible. Mm-hmm. They're not fun to watch. And like, there was some criticism when the first X Men came out in two thousand because they're all wearing black leather, and this is like like right after the matrix comes out and you're clearly influenced by the matrix so there's nothing x-men about from the comics to that but mm-hmm. at the same time you think all right well we're not gonna have people in jumpsuits with yellow x's across their chest that would look ridiculous world, yes. yeah why would they realistically if you're going to make it a movie that's kind of grounded and real and supposed to be in our world that would be ab- totally absurd right but now we have x-men first class where they're wearing these ridiculous suits and to me it just didn't play now what i thought was Really interesting was you go to X Men Days of Future Past. Costumes are a lot better. Wolverine's costume, if you recall, when they're in the future, is yeah. really cool. And re- mind you, that was supposed to be the third. Matthew Vaughn wanted that to be the trilogy ender, Days of Future Past. Yeah, he wanted so to build it that no naturally because that's kind of your Avengers Endgame, where you have mm-hmm. the people from the first trilogy and the people from the second trilogy all combining. It's huge. It's a big deal. He thought that's your third movie you built to. The second one he didn't even conceive of. He's like, it doesn't matter. Apocalypse could be the second one. As long as you're building to this grand crescendo rather than peaking in the middle, and then where do you go? But yeah, Hugh Jackson and all of them, they have these cool armor-plated costumes that are really cool. I wanted to watch that movie, that future. X-Men yeah, I'd watch a little more of that. I'd rather watch that than the other part. Yeah, There's stuff and I like that in, in Days of Future Past in the past, but for the most part, I'd, I guess I'm just <laughs> so attached to the older characters. But, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's but also point. their uniforms and that future looked really cool. I was like, I want to see more. This is this is cool. This is a cool future. I want to see this. It was cool. You get high and watch that. That's a that's a fun evening out. It <laughs> looked like Tron, right? Why would you go out and get? <laughs> we go to the theater. Hey, are you guys showing uh, X Men: Days of the Future Past? Yeah, I know it's like ten years after it came out. No, I mean if they made the whole movie. Oh, that future oh, 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 now, okay. you know, yeah, and yeah. you smoke a spliff and you go see that because it looked like a Tron kind of yes. world, yes. right? But more open and, and more interesting things yeah. inside, like mutants. And I guess people have powers, right? Yeah. And Halle Berry's there. I'm always rather be there than Tron, anywhere she is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll spend two hours, you know. Then you get X Men Apocalypse. Now, if you recall, at the end when they're fighting him. They're wearing cool black armor plated, oh, yeah. you know, it's uh-huh. like body armor that you like SWAT would wear, but even a little bit cooler, right? And they're very cool. Suits and uniforms. Then we go 10 years further to 1992. They're back in the clunky, yellow, goofy, nobody looks good. They're barely form-fitting. It's not flattering on anyone's bodies. 
How did we get back to the first class? You it just also said it doesn't... was 40 years ago. Yeah. We're back to those costumes? Well, also the Apocalypse ones actually look bad already. Well, the ones they right. have now, it's like, this looks like it's you a Halloween just... costume. Yeah. It's, it's not going to work. Yeah, it's like cosplay, you know, in San Diego. These Hall H at CinemaCon. For Christ's sakes, these costumes. That was the criticism of Apocalypse's, of Oscar Isaac's makeup. They were like, this looks... Yeah, but like he, it... he didn't realize what was going to be... He didn't yeah. know what he was signing up for, it sounds like, oh, which yeah. I don't understand how that process works. He probably should have been a CGI character. Or he should yeah. have been played by Vin Diesel. That's my. That's who I thought looked the most <laughs> like Apocalypse. Uh, that would have been so perfect. You wouldn't have to do much to him. All you'd have to do is make him blue. Yeah. Or make a CGI person, because Apocalypse is supposed to be a shapeshifter. In yeah. like, I remember, well, maybe not in the comics, but I remember in there's like the TV series where the apocalypse there was a huge storyline went for like endless episodes and he would like he could change his his form into all these and he had these cool like cuz he like was he um gains powers from other mutants that's like one of his abilities is he can like absorb your powers and he like absorbs some kind of like technological ability where he's mm. like he has like uh it's hard to describe you have to actually look look a picture on of him where he has these like different technology armor pieces coming out that I don't know what they do but you sound like me earlier criticizing how I was describing artificial intelligence you were like every but time you mention sense. it it's it really so clearly you have so clearly have no understanding of or conception of what that is or how it works yeah I don't know what it what the he has arm technologies that flip off his forehead <laughs> I don't know what they do and I don't, they just look cool that's all I could say I have a question they about cool. Apocalypse Oscar yeah. Isaac I feel like we're talking about that movie more than we're talking about Dark Phoenix maybe well, for the because better. we defend it even if, I thought even you if, thought it was terrible. But there's, I think there's value in it. That right, part right. of the podcast is just because a sequel's bad oh. or doesn't mean it, it should not have been made oh, in like the first it. place. It's, right, it's it there's something in there that was great and better than we thought we would ever get. I was about to thank you as if, as, as I'm such an apologist and defender of Apocalypse. Oh, thank you for saying that. That's nice. <laughs> That's so nice of thank you Thank you to for say. shitting on 90% of the movie. <laughs> I mean, I don't defend ninety percent. I just think the ten percent is that's worthwhile. I agree. I agree. I'm, I'm rather that I rather have that ten percent and take it with the ninety percent than not it's have probably the 10%. more. It's probably like twenty five because I like Magneto's stuff, even though it doesn't really add up from the last movie or make sense. But probably not. He's great in it. He's in a different movie, which makes it so it's like, oh, I'm not even watching Apocalypse anymore. I don't have to think about that blue dude. McAvoy's really funny. I don't think he's very. I don't know. I remember liking him in Days of Future Past, but other than that, because remember he's like a hooked, he's like a heroin addict almost, or uh, it's not really heroin. It's supposed to be something that makes him so he doesn't become paralyzed, oh. but it takes away his mind powers too. Oh. He actually has an f- interesting storyline in that movie, and then not really as much in the third in the Apocalypse, and then he this one. I, in theory, he does this. The Dark Phoenix. I thought he does, presents yeah. an interesting storyline yes. for him, and then doesn't seem interested in telling it. That's my big one of the biggest issues with it. Yeah, and strengths. The strength is they go and present Professor X in Dark Phoenix as a villain who's kind of loving being famous. He gets to have his little calls with the president and everybody's like, wow, the X-Men are saving everybody. But he's like putting his own people at risk and they're like kind of rebelling against him. And he's also at the same time lying to Jean because he's so afraid of her powers. So he's acting out of fear. He's acting out of fear in two different ways. He's just He's afraid of humans. And if he doesn't save enough of them, then that they'll turn on him, which actually turns out to be true. And he's scared that if Jean finds out about her powers, she'll break and 
killed loads of people, which also happens to be true. So he's, and that's interesting. He's like sort of a villain to a lot of the X-Men, but he's also like, well, what don't you think he's also sacrificing their best interests just for his ego yes, and the yes, way it's making him feel? Yeah, that's why he's a good villain because he has you kind of see a little bit of both sides, but right. at the same time, he's not really leading the right way. He's kind of just thinking and about. I it. thought that would have been interesting to talk about, but then the movie kind of broaches it, yes. and then just doesn't seem interested he, in it. He anymore. would have been a good villain for this movie. It would have been more yeah. interesting to be like your villain doesn't need to be like the worst person, like who wants to destroy humanity. They could also just. Are going about something that's right, but in the wrong way, or yeah, yeah, or just there's conflict between you. Like, I want to pick sides. I want to be like, I don't know if I agree with Professor X on this issue, but I agree with Gene on this one. Well, he'd be a great villain because you. There's a part of you could say, well, he should have lied to her. He was trying to protect her and yes. everyone else. Yes. What would you else would you have him do? But then at the same time, you can see where, you know, Mystique or Jennifer Lawrence's point is, which is. Yeah, but you, you you have you can't. That's not your right to do. That's not your place to mm-hmm. not let her to keep that information from her. You know, and then it's like eventually it's gonna come out, and the blowback is yeah. Gonna now be it's built even, up even more. Now like it's even worse. You handled it yeah. right at that initial moment. That scene, there's a scene in it which I loved with Professor X, Beast, played by Nicholas Holt, who's not very good in the he's scene. Not he's good in the scene. Yeah, but kind of debating whether he's a good actor. I don't know why he gets like debating you <laughs> one of your notes was uh, yeah, yeah i have all these like big notes it's like these, <laughs> these things about like was, was fox working with net disney and 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 was the ending reshot because it was similar to captain marvel and then one of my notes is just like why is nicholas holt considered a good actor <laughs> i mean i like him as a boy i liked him in uh about a boy and i think you're forgetting a single man too i think people liked him in the but, uh tom ford one with Colin uh, Firth. I'll have to check that one out. I like Tom Ford. I liked uh, Nocturnal Animals. I'll he does a cool it. thing in that movie where, with color, where the color is really desaturated because the guy's unhappy. Oh. And then when he starts like falling in love and being attracted to people. The color blossoms. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and whenever oh. he's like feeling good, the color becomes like really saturated. Very and Van full. Gogh of like, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. It's, a, it's interesting. It's a cool effect that they did. And he's good in that one. Holt. I think so. He's he. I mean, I don't. Yeah, I think he was good. Well, he's gonna be playing Tesla soon. You see that? I mean, that movie has been pushed back. I think like the current war. He uh, doesn't look bad as Tesla. We'll see. But I always hold out hope. But it seems like he gets announced as every. I keep reading things of like, oh, when will Nicholas Holt get this role? And he's really been putting in good work. And I'm like, really? The funny thing in in a single man is he's like really tan and blonde, and you're like. That's the, he's like the, Colin Firth is like, that's his like boy toy or whatever. That's who he's really into, I think. I haven't seen that movie in a hundred years, but it's funny because you. That movie came out in <laughs> 1919. <laughs> but you're like, that's the little buck tooth gawky kid and about a boy is this like tall, uh, slender, tan, blonde, like what the hell? A different person. Maybe he's better as a blonde. Maybe. Yeah. I didn't like him in Warm Bodies. I didn't think. I feel like that movie could have been bigger and better if he was. Wait, what do you think about? It? Do you? He has so many scenes where him and Jennifer Lawrence are talking, and they're like, oh, for they some reason, they together. stage them so they're like nose to nose. These dialogue scenes, and I was like, ah, oh, this is. I keep looking for the chemistry. chemistry and tells like, I've never anything. gotten it from the. No, I never feel it. But they dated for quite a while, off and on, while doing these movies, and 
not while doing these movies, just in life. It's funny how that like that part of the like something outside of the film kind of. Yeah. Well, in a movie like that, you have to look for other things. But to it be does. It does. In. Not in only in. I mean, that's true. But not only like people's dating lives outside, but like the business. They're like you're thinking about that while you're in the movie where you're like, well, well, Fox can't continue doing these movies anymore. So this has to be the end. We thought going in, they're going to end in a big way, which they again, don't do again. The fact that we're having these thoughts in dark Phoenix is only a testament to how not interesting the movie was, right? Yes. How not involved you are in the movies or the character or the plot that we're having those thoughts. True. What would you wait? Can we go back really quick, really quick? I, there was something I wanted to add to apocalypse and speaking of like those other thoughts you have, why get Oscar Isaac at all? If, you're gonna bury him in so much makeup you can't even see his face or he can if he's just doing be human you know talking like that you can no more a stuntman could do that or you just get him to do the voice i mean who like why even waste his time yeah, doing no, that probably and then you could I, do yeah. whatever you paid him which i'm sure wasn't a small amount because that's why these guys sign on to these types of pictures Put that into this, like you said, this shape-shifting special effects. I mean, you just get like a body double or a mm-hmm. stuntman. You cover him in makeup. You could have Oscar Isaac do the voice if you need to, or like just a voice guy, have Mark Hamill come in or somebody, you know, one of those guys. And then, yeah, you could save so much money and put that towards special effects. Because also, there's so many people in the X-Men movies. Did anybody even notice that Oscar Isaac was in it? Oh, Oscar Isaac's in it. Oh, I got to see that one now. Mm-hmm. Everyone's in these movies. How can you keep like, track? Where'd he go? I saw him in the opening scene, and then he vanished. Like, it didn't do them any favors that I had the Jessica Chastain in this new one. No, and that was like a big problem with, with the movie. I, her character's pointless, and it's uh, this villain who's just, like, thrown in halfway through the movie. It's almost, like, worse having her, and you're like, you guys are just wasting her time. If yeah. I was a big fan of hers, I wouldn't want to see her just wasting time with you guys. No. She seems to be in a lot of movies where you're like, it seems like you're just wasting yeah, like the Huntsman one, and well, that was contractual. I know, but it, oh, it's still it's like don't even put her in it yeah. if you're gonna just waste everybody's time with it. That was a, an Edward Norton scenario. I right. think same studio, right? Paramount was that Paramount? Who does the Huntsman? Because uh, she had like a three picture right. deal or something, right. and they were like, "You you have to do one of these," and she's like, "All right." I think wasn't Hemsworth talking saying the Huntsman was he wished it was better. I didn't actually the first mind. one or the second one? Second one. I actually liked it more than the. That's a sequel I like more than. Yeah, they're both kind of interesting. I think the second one might be a little bit better. I think it's too, only but... better for one reason. Most of it I don't like, but I love Emily Blunt. In it. She goes She's for it too. Really yeah. going for it. Yeah. Really hamming it up, and she then gets to ham it up with Charlize back and forth, and you're like, oh, this is cool. I like and this. Charlize and is better in the second one than the yes, first one. Much better. She seemed, for however they filmed or staged the first one, she seems really hammy and over the top. Well, even though we just complimented Emily Blunt for it, she's not even hammy. She's just annoying. She's just like no, but but ah, I think that's actually a shouting. credit to the filmmakers. Oh, I, in the first one, I don't even know that Charlize is bad. I think or like they were just presenting her that because I heard uh, Nicole Holofcener. I think I'm saying that right. I hope so. Was interviewing Olivia Wilde about Booksmart. We were we were referencing this briefly the other day. Where did you see this? It was a the director's cut. It's an interview oh, okay. series. Okay. And she was saying it's really hard sometimes to convey tone. Like a lot of actors will come in and they'll do the scene. You'll be like, "That was good. That was nice. That's a great, you know, that's mm-hmm. you did a great job. That's not the tone of this movie." 
Yes. And she was saying it's very difficult to explain tone to actors or just to the other people. I think crew. that's why directors usually will say, like, watch these 15 movies. Exactly. That's what Olivia you... Wilde said. That she, that's why she was like, oh, uh, I told you the comps she referenced were Training Day and yeah, 16 Candles and insane. Breakfast Club. And yeah. people were like, what? How do those two movies connect? And she's like, trust me, it works. The, I think the problem with the first Snow White and the Huntsman was Charlize is doing one. Like, I think she would understood this movie to be one thing. And the director was shooting it and editing it totally differently. So it comes off as just, she seems totally out of place and like going way too big and broad because they're shooting her in these kind of vacuous spaces. Mm. It sounds, it just seems. She's like separated from most of the action. And like those castles just seem so cavernous. I don't know. They needed to give her something more. Just the way, just, they're just, I feel like they didn't shoot it right. Or It's a universal movie. Ah, oh, universal. Right, right, right. Yeah, the, I do Wait, remember. Italian I, job. Oh, no, it's, it's got to be Paramount. I do remember in the first Snow White, I liked the, uh, when she, when Kristen Stewart wanders off into uh, the forest. The forest yeah. that starts like changing into snakes and it's like a drug. That was cool. There's some neat visuals yeah. in it because that director uh, is does some cool things visually. But he was like a commercial guy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Big commercial guy. A lot of Audi stuff. Rupert Sanders. Rupert Sanders. Yeah. But he it makes for a good preview. I thought the preview looked cool. It's also a bad flat. It's funny because Charlize is going. This is how you know the director was not conveying the tone because Kristen Stewart, who we were beginning to think was a bad actress. Oh, is she another example of a James Marsden? She's a James Marsden. Right? Where we see her now in all these yes. little indies, and we're like, wow, what a cool She well, didn't fit presence. White, though. That time period at all, doesn't No. I think and she's very modern. She's so flat, though, and she's yes. sewing so flat and minimal, and Charlie's is going at so a 10 and <laughs> times 10. I mean, I feel like Rupert could not have been conveying the tone to these two right, clearly and accurately, <laughs> that they could be on just on totally different planes Kristen Stewart looked like she was like get me to indie movies please uh, immediately yeah. like that speech at the end she's giving to like lead everybody into battle you're like no no no, no. I don't believe this at all when she's imprisoned in the tower in the beginning she Kristen Stewart looked like she was imprisoned the rest of the whole movie it was a hostage video so let's get back to the our main feature get back to the x-men not even X-Men movie. Not X-Men. They, didn't, they didn't even want to call it that. I had a, some questions. Did you think that Fox, because they knew they were selling the movie, do you think they sabotaged the movie? Like they that they purposely... No. Because so isn't Disney getting the profits from this, right? I don't know how that actually works. But I don't know if I care to know how that works. It's probably very yeah. complicated legalese minutia. That's not interesting. No, I don't think they did that. Do you the think, parallels to Captain Marvel are staggering. Do you aren't think they? that's why it was pushed back? Because it was ready. It was supposed to be in November of last year. Pushed back. Smart decision because Fox released Bohemian Rhapsody, so it was huge, huge hit. And right. ironically, from Brian Singer, Mister X Men, exactly himself. Mm. And then it was pushed back to February. Now it would have come out in february right before captain marvel and i think there's very similar wait so if it did come out in november or february it still would have beaten captain marvel yes. so why were they worried about the similarities to captain marvel people aren't sure if that's even true oh. some people think it was, it was it was they were comparing it they were thinking that they stole from captain america civil war 
They well, he said Kinberg said he did. He said he watched that. He structured the ending of this movie because well, he noticed if the it, battle is the battle in the airport is actually comes relatively early. It's in Act Two, and then mm-hmm. by the end of Act Three, when you're climax, it's just Iron Man and Captain America and Bucky, yes. and you just have a more intimate three people setting rather than the huge blowout. So he had structured this X Men where big fight with a bunch of them, and then you end up with just Chastain yes. and Dark Phoenix and that McAvoy didn't test well at all, apparently. Apparently, audiences wanted to go out with a bang, like we all did, and we wanted everybody involved, which is why they reshot it and had that terrible train sequence. I don't know about going out with a bang, though, because would you say Captain America Civil War doesn't go out with a bang? Like, I like the fight, because a fight with good stakes and characters, the Captain America versus Iron Man and Bucky is... Yeah, but the the, the players involved in the... First of all, Dark Phoenix's powers aren't very interesting. Well, because none of this stuff is earned. We don't care about the But just visually, it doesn't... I don't, right, right, right. doesn't do much. And then who, she was supposed to be fighting, what, Professor X, Magneto, and and Cyclops? That's not a very interesting... Fight. No, but my point is, Civil yes, War works in the same way Marvel does everything, where you grow to love these characters over the course of a bunch of movies. So then when Captain America and Iron Man are fighting, we're really invested in it. Chastain, you know... Sophie Turner's only been in for two movies now, right? She's not in First Class. She's not in Days of Future Past. She joins for Apocalypse, mm-hmm. correct? Correct. It's actually one thing. Oh, when we were defending Apocalypse, is one thing I liked. I, I think Sophie Turner is a very interesting She's a face. star. Yeah. Everybody knows it. From Game uh, of Thrones, she was the one who stood out the most. Yeah. Where you were like, oh, she's elevating. She's she's basically doing nothing. Like, not as an actor, but like her character has nothing to do just standing and looking at people uh, off of like a balcony, and mm. she's doing so much. And I thought that in Dark Phoenix, I, yes. she she has a great presence, a really interesting face. I really I I liked her. And she's, she's she's so tall, and she like uses mm-hmm. towards you the way she like moves. You really are like, oh, this is a different yeah. type of star we have here. Who's this? No, I, I, building a movie around her as a star and focus and making it smaller and setting our expectations lower from Apocalypse, which was a I, I consider it a disaster. <laughs> so you you kind of want to go, oh well. The next one isn't going to do as well if we try to mimic that style again and go all out with all of our X-Men fighting each other. Let's do a single story, a Logan, you know, just one character, Deadpool type movie. It, it won't do as well, but then expectations won't be as high, which is critical. A lot of the times they're like, oh, they're comparing it to the biggest X-Men movie that ever happened so that this one doesn't live up. I, I, just, I think that would have been a smarter decision. It would have been smarter just to focus on Dark Phoenix like her, Jean Grey, the whole movie. She's the only character I focus on. I think that so, would have been way smarter. And then you could make it a lower budget movie. Yeah. Although, just, ironically, Logan cost over $100 million, which doesn't make any sense to me still. They're running around in the woods. What cost $100 million there? Him. Probably. <laughs> Jackman. Probably he has to play two roles. He gets $25 million per two roles, yeah. For each Wolverine that's on screen. No, I think you're right. I think... If you learn from Logan, plus, you're right, you, the, the X-Men, you have your second trilogy. Make this just its own, almost like a spinoff, but there's some, you know, you could still have Magneto comes in for a little X-Men, but you're really focusing on her. And her, what she trained, Sophie Turner said she, like, kept studying people who had, you know, mental disorders and had kind of breakdowns and was kind of mimicking. Disassociative personality disorder, she looked at, right? That and also schizophrenia. And that's clearly and not in there, not but you can tell, like we said, where the movie seems to start to be interested in things, and then 
just drops them and leaves them hanging isn't yeah the middle of the movie with those intense close-ups and mm. her crying and pain after she's done certain things it seems like yeah it's, it could be going for that kind of movie but then it doesn't or it, we're not even really following her that much or there's unexplained aliens and yeah she describes it as like it seems like it's a drug the power where it's like the, the, the phoenix powers are supposed to be an allegory for addiction but it's like that's not we don't see that and there's a line in the preview, which I think plays differently in the movie, where she says, you know, I'm doing these bad things, and it feels good. Mm. That They don't really do that in the movie. Mm. She says she, that even feels good refers to something else. And yeah, that's interesting. When you see something like that, you're like, okay, that would be interesting. All of a sudden, Professor X has been keeping this power locked in her head. Now it's out, and she realizes the power. And just like we, we, we talk a lot about the Stanford Prison Experiment, how humans just get drunk with power and they lose control and a good person can go bad if they just have the ability to do so or that and also how we 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 meld into groupthink and also meld into our roles and stick to them so if i if as soon as they assign somebody to the guard they went to that role and acted like they were a guard even though they were a student the day before and a hippie hippie dippy i don't like authority student and all of a sudden you put a baton in their hand and then they are like Mr. Enforcer, right? Mm. Yeah, and I think... And you could also play that up with her, where she has a role within the X-Men as something, and now she's broken free of that. And now she's not part of the team, and she's her own entity and her own force. Yeah, that's a more interesting movie. We've had time to digest the movie. Like, did, did your feelings on it change at all? Have you been thinking about it differently over... Because, like, I remember going in, my expectations were low... And the movie starts, yeah. do you remember how it starts with the, the, the Fox logo and then the X becomes like uh-huh. the X-Men, but it looks, uh, as soon as that came on, I went, uh-oh, this isn't. I don't remember that bothering uh, me. I was just like, uh-oh. And then the music, I didn't like at first. And because it, it, because all the lines were just really, like just lame dialogue and so dramatic, like so much drama. And you're like, you haven't earned any of this from the previous movies. Right. Like, you can't just set this up already. But then I don't even know what happened trying to think of what scene where it just started i think right when she gets her powers and starts you know the, the focus is on her outer space yeah as soon as that after that scene i thought i i, so I was like whoa actually i like this music even even i'm just ignoring what the dialogue is we should say this is so now this is the seventh x-men movie hans zimmer who's done batman spider-man superman vowed he was done with uh comic book movies. really i didn't know he said that yeah he did it before even coming back to do it was after he did the Batmans, he did the Superman, and he vowed, I'm done with... I, I, did, he did the, how many themes can I do? I can't keep doing them. And he keeps coming back. <laughs> hmm. I think it was before even... Was it before Superman? I think he said... Well, I'm, then he did the Spider-Man with... with no, I think that was before. Wasn't that before Man of Steel? Oh, no, I don't think so. Spider-Man 2 is not... Amazing Spider-Man 2. Amazing Spider-Man 2. Amazing. Right. Let's, not to be confused... Well, speaking of that that transition from, from Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man, from the Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man, MCU gets a hold of Spider-Man, and they knock it out of the park so well that we could forget about those other... We were like, this is the best version immediately. Just as soon as you see him, you're like, Tom Holland is Peter Parker. These other guys were just like actors pretending to be Peter Parker, kind of in our world, not in comic book movie world. I'm wondering if the same thing... Wait, what? Like What's Tommy, that last part? Like, Tommy McGuire just seemed, he just seemed like he was like... But that world is totally different than Andrew Garfield's world. 
Sure, but I just they feel like they're just like people in our world. Wow, really, that's... I feel like the Sam Raimi ones are pretty car- comic booky and cartoony. That does not a real. There's world. just no humor, so I guess I don't think of Marvel's comics are such humor based, and Peter Parker is so humor based. Like that's because if you yeah. read his comics, he's just like making fun of people all the time and joking around. He's a kid. He's not Tom doing quips, feels like he's sure, like, but he's it's just there's no humor, it's zero. All the humor well, Amazing like, Spider-Man, those two are trying to do humor. They're doing like the mumblecore humor, which isn't funny, but they're true. going for they're they're they're. But I was mentioning enough. more Toby, more Toby Maguire. Oh, but that is a silly world. Think of like J. Jonah Jameson, uh, uh, played by Whiplash. Uh, no, but the Spider-Man character, Peter Parker. I'm saying we haven't been embodied by like the comics because he's very yes. quippy and fun yeah and like a kid and there's all these oh sure all these actors no i was just like commenting like on the 30. world on the you were mentioning the world i i'm taking peter parker in their world then just to be a little more specific not the movie itself sure okay i the question is now that x-men's in the mcu will that will that be a similar will we look back at the current x-men from fox and go and look at view it the same way we view the Spider-Mans, where the X-Men's are just knocked out of the park by, by MCU, and we completely would go, wow, actually, these are... You're forgetting a really important part about Spider-Man, of important distinction, though. Tom Holland seems like the right age. Tommy McGuire looks like he's 35 in those movies, right? No, I mean, just he, he looks like he's 30. And so yeah, Garfield, he's yeah. a baby face, but he still seems much, way too old. Garfield seems way too old. Like, Tom Holland actually seems like he's of the right age, which also really helps. So you think it? it's just age? I think it's the human No, I too. don't think it's just. No, I think it's a, mu- a multitude of different things. Um, I think the movie's better, too, which helps. You I st- buy into it. Yeah, I still feel like there's a zaniness. There's like a wild quality to X-Men that they were trying to get with first class in the suits, but they didn't really get the, they just got, they were just wearing kind of crazy well, uniforms. Well, first class isn't zany. That's heavy and brooding. The suits, uh huh. not the movie, just suits. They were trying to go for the old school X-Men kind of feel. Oh, but not I, zany. It's not irreverent. I'm just saying the suits. I know, but I'm just, they're not going for zany. They're going for authenticity, right? I think so. Yeah. But I, I feel like there's like a, there's like an LSD type X-Men world where MCU could go. Yeah. Why I think we can we I'm sure the back. creators of the comics were probably on LSD. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure Stan Lee was doing some LSD. Isn't that a joke in one of the movies or one of his cameos? Didn't something crazy fly by? Is that? And he says, who? Boy, and I thought we were doing some crazy stuff in the 60s or something. Isn't that an oh, endgame? Oh, Stanley. Uh, that sounds. That could be. No, 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 no. How could we Might forget his cameo? Maybe in yeah, maybe. Oh well. He's one of so his cameos, many. and yeah, he's always really funny. Like he's <laughs> even funny in Avengers Ultron. Remember, he's like supposed to be like a military officer person. He actually might say it in that one. Oh, is that the one? Yeah, he's like talking to Thor. I feel like it's a Guardians of the Galaxy. I feel like Guardians of the Galaxy Two would have him doing saying something like that. I didn't realize he was even in this. Where does he? Isn't he in all of them? I know, but now I think of it, I'm like, what? Where would he? Who would he have been? An alien? How would he have popped? I guess. Out? I mean, Thor Ragnarok, he's in outer space, right? Isn't I he? I think Guardians Two, he must be in the opening scene with Kurt, Kurt Russell? Russell. He must pass by him or something. Doesn't seem like tonally you'd be able to fit him in there, though. Uh-huh. Oh well, let's move on. 
He's, uh, he's a lot of cameos. We've just reached our main feature, Stanley. Can we talk about the the? I mean, I mentioned it earlier. The the Captain Marvel overlaps between Dark Phoenix are staggering. Go into them. Go lay them all out. So first of all, we talked about the '90s. The first, the female heroine. But the '90s is hardly played up in this one. I almost I forgot it was the '90s. I only know because I was told. I know, but I'm just saying it's pointlessly in the '90s, mm-hmm. right? So that's just one similarity that has no significance, right? Okay. So it's just odd that they both happen to take place in the 90s almost for no particular reason. Lead character, blonde woman, becomes she gets ambiguous space powers. She gets blasted with something in yeah. outer space, gets these very ambiguous powers. We don't know where they begin or end. She can blast through things. It's and my it. issue with a lot of female characters, right? superheroes, they usually have... It's, and, it's kind of like how we treat women back in the day where it was like, I mean, it's probably still today where it's like, well, I don't know what's going on with you. It's that time of the month. I don't know what's going on. I don't know how you work. And it's like, <laughs> oh, well, your powers, I don't know how they work, but there's something's going on there, you know? I don't... <laughs> Wait, it's speaking like, of... Give, them, give people definable powers so I understand that it's not like I don't get what's happening. Speaking of, somebody with very definable powers in the Dark Phoenix, X-Men, Aurora Monroe, played by Alexandra Shipp, She's a god. She's god. She'll, the way we think of god and the weather, contr- somebody who control the weather is, if not god, a god, a goddess. In this movie, all she does is shoot lightning out of her hands. That's not her power. She literally can control the weather, create storms mm-hmm. and hurry everything. All she does is blast. She's just fighting people like hand to hand, and every once in a while she shoots laser or lightning like she's Raiden in Mortal Kombat. That's not her powers. That's what a... That's yeah, so I thought reductive she could control, for her. like clouds to 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 launch lightning and control where that goes, but I didn't think she could. No, actually... yeah, she doesn't harness it in her hand, in the palm of her hand. Plus, that's so much more reductive than if she could actually bring a storm overhead and, and there's a tornado, tornado, yeah. tornado or an earthquake or something. Freezing I guess temperatures an would be tectonic. I don't know, but I get what you mean. Yeah, I mean, really, she's or to blame. We have something. to talk about climate change in every episode. She's to blame. She controls the weather. <laughs> Come on, Storm. Your name shouldn't be Storm. It should be Sunny Day. Sunny. <laughs> Wait, Wait keep one... going with him, Captain Marvel. Keep going with that. In an early draft of the script, in the early iteration, the what were the Ben Mendelsohns called? Scrolls. The scrolls are, are supposed to be in it in the X Men. Oh, is that Phoenix. who Sustain's supposed to be? No, 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 no. That's she's different. Okay. she's a different. She has a character from the uh, Dark Phoenix arc, but the scrolls were included in it early on. They cut that, and then the original ending is Sophie Turner like blasting up into space and there's like a spaceship with Jessica Chastain's gang of aliens and she just blasts right into it like she's a rocket herself and blasted from the inside out just like the end of Captain Marvel. Wow. It just seems like there's so many over the plus lest lest we forget the end of Captain Marvel as we talked about on the Captain Marvel pod the whole thing Jude Law is always oh your emotions are getting in the way your emotions make you weak you can't be emotional and at the end she says no my emotions I'm human, that's my strength. My emotions are my strength, not my weakness. I'm paraphrasing. Mm-hmm. And then in Dark Phoenix, at the end, Chastain is grabbing her, is grabbing Sophie Turner's Dark Phoenix, and she says, your emotions make you weak. And then Sophie Turner blasts up into the sky, and she says, no, they make me strong. You know, it's like, I'm like, literally, like the same theme and the same, like almost the same line for line. I just thought the overlaps are incredible. Hmm. I like the way you said Chastain grabs Jean. She grabs Sophie Turner's Dark Phoenix. <laughs> Sounds like some kind of 
Some kind of thing Don Draper would do to a woman. Yeah. <laughs> He'd be like, Whoa, easy, buddy, easy. You can't do that. That's how things used to be. So, Magneto, what do you think? What do you think of his storyline? What do you think of? So he uh, probably should have died. It would have been more interesting if he just got his skull crushed by that when his helmet. Yeah. At the end, that would have been. I like the preview line when she yes. has him there and she says, "Are you threatening me?" And he says. Yes, I am. She says, that wouldn't be a good idea and buys him out. It plays differently in the movie. I also like the other line in the trailer when he's when he says there's always a speech. Yeah. And you're always sorry. Nobody cares. In the movie that played like didn't work as well. No, it's funny in the trailer. Mm. You know, in the movie Charles, it's so serious. Charles is always a speech, you're always Nobody cares. In the movie well no, in the movie it played like Xavier McAvoy started to talk, and as the audience, we roll our eyes, and then the, the, one of the characters in the diegetic world literally says, oh, come on. Like, is he, it's almost like he was rolling, all right, yes. come on. There's always a speech. You're always going on and on, and nobody cares. It's not like we were buying into the speech, and then when Magneto went, he went, oh, you flipped me. Now I'm starting to right. agree with Magneto. Oh, yeah, you're right. There is always a speech, and we keep ending up in the same spot every time, so... They needed it to be Samuel L. Jackson Deep Blue Sea, where McAvoy was actually giving an interesting speech, not just in the pathway of a park at night, starting to say two words and then gets cut off by Magneto. I will say, Fassbender, I guess he signed on. He was really interested in doing the this storyline of... Uh, we talked about this before. I, now I can't think of what that little refuge is for the mutants. They take over an island and the mutants who have been kind of outcasts. Oh, the island, you mean? Yeah. Uh, it starts with like a G look it up they go there that's that's like one of the reasons fastman he wasn't under contract anymore he wanted to sign on and have magneto running this commune of mutants i thought i mean one of my favorite things about all these x-men's with fastbender is so intense and brooding even when the movies aren't that good he's so good in them isn't he oh yeah when sophie turner shows up and he's yelling at her and stammering he asking her whose blood she has on her hands and she doesn't want to tell him. And she's like, don't make me angry. And he's like, why? What are you going to do when you're angry? What happens when you get angry? You know, and he's just getting in her it was face. well shot, too, that scene. Like that scene is really good, like, yeah. yeah. like, Kinberg is, like, doesn't know what he's doing as a director. It's like, there's, it's well shot. Yeah. For most of, I mean, not that. Some of it. Some, some of it, yeah, not all. Yeah, not all. It's not like, cinematographer is probably more. To... It's, it's not. You can tell a lot of it was reshot because it's yeah. not uh, the a lot of the middle parts in the end and the beginning are not not cohesively shot in the same way and framed. Oh, I looked up Hans Zimmer too. Um, Man of Steel first, then Amazing Spider-Man two, yeah. then Batman vs Superman: Dawn of Justice. Does it? Did you just say when he swears he's done with? No, no, doing no, superheroes. If you type that in on Google, I bet it'll come up. I believe you. <laughs> okay. You made that up completely. I was just curious after what movie he's like, all right, enough superheroes. I can't do any more themes. And then something Hans. brings him back, you know? Tweet from Hans. He's like, I never said that. I never said I was done with superheroes. I love superheroes. I'll always do that. I will do it. I, my, it's my mission to do every character yeah. and every, any comic there is, I want to do it. He almost has at this point. Man, yeah. who's left? Yeah. It's funny when he does movies, like, he like hops onto a franchise like you were saying with X-Men, so late in the game. Seven movies in? He's the or big like name? Yeah. doing Blade Runner 2049 when he didn't... Yeah, like you wow. think, that's a little I mean, different. it's a long time ago, but it's still yeah. just like, oh, he... 
I mean, he also just does like every movie there is too. There's no way he's like doing all of this. No, no, that's partly, I mean, if you think about, there's like five of the best composers now that came out of his camp. You know, you look at Harry Gregson Williams, Ramin Djawadi from, from Game of Thrones, and he did Iron Man. Nick Lenny Smith, who actually came out and then went back, he's his uh, orchestrator. John Powell came out of his camp. So many, so many of the composers, you know, John Powell did Face Off and the Bourne Ultimatums and Identities. So many of these guys came from his team, you know? Um, and so it's, yeah, people always, often will say, oh, even, uh, you know, who came out of his camp? Who's the Ridley Scott guy? American oh, gangster. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Seinenfeld? Mark Straightenfeld. Straightenfeld. He came out of his camp. So. so you always wonder like what, what, how much were they contributing? Cause there's right. There's no way he could be composing all of these and they could be all be so great. But even if he's not, I mean, he's he's coaching, he's leading, you know, kind of a Dr. Dre with a with his team beneath him, you know. So I was mixing up, going back to the what you were saying about Magneto forming like a his own commune. With Wait, Newtons. really quick, yeah. just to finish the Hans Zimmer thing, we should also note that Hans Zimmer is not doing these alone. Um, you know, Batman vs Superman is him and Junkie XL, and then oh, yeah, and Pharrell. Spider-Man. Well, he had the whole, yeah, Pharrell and Johnny Marr, uh, a couple other people, they had their whole garage band for Amazing Spider-Man 2. And then even Blade Runner is him and Fishman or something. Some, He's a new guy. He's done some interesting work. Such interesting work, but we don't remember. <laughs> well, we'll, we will get your name. But that's the thing when you're Hans Zimmer, like yes. you just, you you notice his name. He's right? a brand name now yeah. at this point, yeah. There might have even I think somebody else did He's Dark a, Phoenix. I don't like think it's him alone. Almost. Is he doing Dark Phoenix alone? I don't think he did. I think it's somebody else there that I hadn't heard of before. Yeah, so when I was saying though about the the commune thing you were telling me about? Yeah. That was separate. That's not even part of the Dark Phoenix comic. But separate. that's what brought that's yes. what Fastbender. He was not under contract. Yes. Lawrence wasn't under contract. He wanted to do that. He wanted that to be part of it. What I was talking about was an island that's part of another storyline, which okay. I'll get to because oh. it's part of my pitch to fix this movie. Oh, I like it. All right. Or it's actually a completely different movie, but a better storyline right. instead of repeating Dark Phoenix. Which actually, we should say. Versions. I have a few versions too. But. We should say X-Men The Last Stand, we don't even think it's that bad. So you've already done that storyline. Most people think they botched it. The comic book heads think they botched it. You hire the same guy, Kinberg, to do it again? That's like getting Mike D'Antoni to coach your team. We got to win a championship. Let's get Mike D'Antoni. He's like, no, come on. You already gave that a try. He's not winning anything. Get somebody else. <laughs> I, get, I get why they did it. It seemed like there was a lot of turmoil with Fox, and he was coming in and like directing and writing and fixing all of the issues that were happening. I mean, he's been shepherding the franchise. Yes, I think that's through. why they he were like, the we one kept having all these voice, issues, but... and you were the one that like cleaned up, and we're now... Well, whatever you want to do, you can do it. Well, so we should say he's one of the producers, so True. he's True. probably making the choice more than somebody else. You know, Lauren Schuler Donner tweeted out, "I had absolutely nothing. I had zero, absolutely nothing to do with Apocalypse, Dark Phoenix, and New Mutants." She she later pulled the tweet down, but she's like, "I'm a producer in name only." Okay, so I found out about the Zimmer score. It looks like it's just Zimmer. I'm not seeing... Oh, for Dark Phoenix? Oh, I stand corrected. But 
while I'm looking up in Wikipedia for music for Dark Phoenix, it says Evan Peters, who plays Quicksilver, who we'll get to because I don't want to forget about how poorly this movie uses him. Okay. Stated in January 2018 that Hans Zimmer was composing the score, despite Zimmer having said in March 2016 he would not score another superhero film following his experience working on Batman vs. Superman. Oh, which is actually a good score for a shit movie. Exactly. The score is really good. Yeah. A Beautiful Lie, if you ever feel like pulling a track up from a soundtrack, you'll enjoy that one. The next, I think Zimmer might, after this movie, he might say he'll never do Superman superheroes again because he says Zimmer... Later explained that in conversations with director Ron Howard, he was convinced to not keep a blanket view and to focus on waiting for the right story rather than avoiding an entire genre. Hmm. Kinberg approached him at a concert to talk about his vision for Dark Phoenix. Zimmer realized that the story was one that he wanted to help tell, and the film would be an opportunity to do something that he's always wanted to try in a film score. So he's decided to join production. And I love the score. What did he want to do that he had never tried before? I have no idea. It's a, I mean, I like the score a lot, and I also... But it's pretty straightforward. It's not one. Of his, it's not like Interstellar or one of those ones... No, where, yeah, you're right. Where you say, whoa, you really went outside of the box for this. Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty straightforward score. Well, also, he says, I I don't want to do a blanket view, and I want to focus on the right story rather than avoiding an yeah, entire so genre, think, and then he picks like the worst story. So he picked Dark Phoenix. At this point, he must be like, "Oh wait, what I wonder I what really brought him back." That sounds. I'm. That sounds like hogwash. I'd love to know what really was. I'd love to re- know the real politics there. Well, I hope he keeps doing them because I love his scores. Yeah, well, yeah, he's the best. So back to Evan Peters. Wait, wait. I have okay. one question that you that raises the Ron Howard thing. Are superhero movies a genre? I don't no. think so. That's you know when they say the people Pixar get, guys always say, get. "Don't call." cartoons genre that's not a genre of movies you could have an action cartoon you could have a comedy cartoon you could have a romantic anything people who say that who want to disparage it who are like i don't like comic book movies so i don't right i don't think superhero movies or comic book movies are especially now they're hitting we we, we mention all the time they're hitting every genre yeah they and this movie seemed like it was trying to be like this like shazam is not the same genre as captain america winter soldier no no, and I mean, this this movie seemed like it was trying to go dark and try to go... Just foreboding and brooding. I don't know what those, but it just seemed like it was like... <laughs> when you're a teenager and you're having mental breakdown, we're telling that story with somebody who has massive amounts of powers and what they could do with them. And The alien thing, though, completely diminishes all of that. Exactly, I feel that's... like it's so loaded of... Yeah. She didn't realize her culpability in killing her mother and sending her father away, and her father who disowns her and is actually alive... And and she's had this great power. She's the most powerful mutant, mm-hmm. and that's been hidden from her her whole life. And now all of this stuff gets revealed and unearthed and comes out. And at the same time, she gets taken over by an alien. So you're not sure exactly well, two what's... aliens. One yeah. one alien is a is Chastain, and the other alien is just some like fiery purple force outside of right. So off the the coast of our our atmosphere. What's having what effect on her? It becomes so muddied and muddled and unclear. That's why I wouldn't adapt that comic. But or do it differently. There's a lot of comics that you adapt and you say, "All right, that worked on the page, but we have to do it differently on screen." They got their practice run with Last Stand. I have another problem with going from Last Stand to this. Say what you will about Last Stand, whether you like it or you don't like it. The ending shot is, the ending scene is great with the chess match. It's Professor X and McClellan. McClellan, we think, has lost his powers 
in the melee at the and end. We also think Professor X is like dead, and then another character, right? Doesn't he become a different person? Is that in that one? I think you might be thinking of X end of X two, right? No, because no, how no McClellan has to lose his powers oh, yeah, at the end right. of X Men: The Last yeah, Stand. Right. No, of course that's the end of that. You're right. That what was that thing where X, uh, Professor X transfers his powers dies. into someone he else's body? Dies in the scene in the house. Well, who's McClellan playing chess with at the end? Maybe somebody who's putting his mind in. Oh wait a minute! Yeah, you're right. X, Patrick Stewart dies in the middle of the movie in that house scene. He gets killed. Who the hell is McClellan well, playing chess that. with? Last you? Stand sucks, and it's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. We'll revisit our. We'll have to go back and. Uh, well, whoever uh, McClellan's playing chess with. He's playing chess. You think he's lost his powers. The chess pieces are metal. And the very last scene is him going to move his piece, but he's not touching it. And the piece starts to lay. You can't tell if it's moving or not, but it it starts to like, and you're like, is that an optical illusion? Is it moving? Is it not? And before you can really, you get an answer, it cuts to black. And so you're left wondering. That's an awesome ending. That's not, has nothing to do with Professor X. He's not playing him. Okay. He's not, I don't think he's, yeah, going against anybody. He's just trying to. Going back to that. Wait, the first... but, then, but then really quick, oh. in Dark Phoenix, it ends with Professor X playing chess with uh, Magneto, with Fassbender, and you're thinking, why would you remind us, but it, the scene goes nowhere, it's pointless, why would you remind us of that, The probably the best scene, most exciting scene in the X-Men The Last Stand, the other Dark Phoenix take, but don't do anything more exciting or even remotely exciting. And they filmed it, it looks like it's on the same location as... The end of Dark Knight Rises. I, yes, I it thought did. they were going to look over and see Christian Bale and Michael Caine you know, yeah. like, sitting over there. Like, oh. why? <laughs> why would they end their movie that way? Oh, is this how all superhero journeys yeah. end? This is just a cafe. What if it's just a cafe, cafe filled with super- superheroes? <laughs> Retired. Oh, your trilogy's over? Hey. <laughs> oh, it's the end of your franchise run? Oh. What are you drinking over there? You got some grappa with espresso? I like it. All right. All right. Like you said. You mentioned the beginning of this movie, Dark Phoenix. It starts with the scene that, to me, it's identical to the beginning of Shazam. We just brought it up. Yeah. yeah. There's a car at the scene where your villain sort of... Looks like the same car. Yeah. It's flipped, but it was done better in Shazam. So why didn't they reshoot that? If all these scenes, they're stealing all these scenes from different superhero movies and reshooting them because it's too similar. They were cursed. That scene sucks, too. And that's a huge scene. Her killing her mom should have been like... I didn't mind that. I thought the effect when it's flipping over in slow motion, and but the glass isn't hitting her because she has a force field. <sighs> I was okay with that scene. <sighs> I just, I'm t- it's not that exciting. Not, Nothing in the movie was exciting. Just yeah. They don't do it for me. It's. I, I didn't like the way she like was like, oh, it's so noisy. Yeah, I... No, that was said, annoying, and yeah. it didn't make sense what Jean Grey did to her mom. Yes. Yeah, what? Why? Her she mom just kind of or... shuts down, and I didn't get what what yeah. part of her power just would make her. I would have rather seen that unconscious later, right? Like when her mind starts to become unfragmented, we see that past, and maybe she remembers like, "Oh, my mom was great," but then I don't know what happened, and then then she starts to remember. Oh, actually, you have a good point too. If we're if it's Jean Grey's story, and that's been kept from her. Mm. And Patrick Stewart, uh, not Patrick Stewart, James McAvoy, Professor X didn't let her know that if we are also in the dark and that as that information becomes revealed, because when she goes to see her father, we already know, you know, Professor X says, oh, this isn't going to be very good if she Mm -hmm. finds out. And Jennifer Lawrence says, what? What could she find out? I thought it was going to be some huge reveal. It's just that the father 
you know, yeah. she didn't know he was alive. Like, well, of course. I mean, yeah. yeah, of course he blames her, and she went with McAvoy. We already saw that. You showed us that. Yeah, as the audience, but right. for her, it's different. So you're like, that's not. She doesn't work. You should have flabbergasted, us. and we're not. We're we a step be, of her yeah. ahead. Yes, exactly, exactly. So we met, I mentioned Quicksilver. Evan Peters brought up. He was the one who revealed that Hans Zimmer was doing the score. So thank him for doing that. But he gets nothing to do in this movie, and we just. He was a, one of the bigger highlights. I, I We actually forgot to mention Apocalypse. It's, one, it's the best Quicksilver scene, probably. Well, it's funny because I feel like the everyone loved that scene in Days of Future Past, and, and they like, criticized in Apocalypse, like, oh, they're just doing it again. With, but I actually thought the Days of Future Past one was kind of the practice run. I thought it was yes. even funny. I fit, thought it was worked even better in, in Apocalypse. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was like Days of Future Past is like John Wick 1. Right. Well, Apocalypse was like, John Wick 3. Or Boyd get- Supremacy going into Ultimatum. It was the practice run. And then they really nailed it in Apocalypse, the Quicksilver scene. So he gets nothing to do in this movie. That was pretty disappointing. And it was a cool moment where I thought Quicksilver's like going to speed around her and stop Jean Grey. This is the big scene where, May- where Mystique dies. And she's like able to, because she's so all-powerful, like she's faster than he is and like grab him and like throw him. And- Which also, though... Which is a cool idea, but they didn't. I don't. The execution no, that, but that's not even really a cool idea. Why? She has powers. She's so powerful. That's not one of her powers. That speed. Yeah. Why make that one? Why add another power on top of? She already has mind control and force fields and this alien thing. Why make also speed? Why not have her one? He's faster, but she has some other. Well, she, she could, could just slow him down. Yeah, with her mind. Whatever. Yeah. She or she. Yeah, goes into his head and yeah. says, "You can't move fast." Or. Stop running, and then he's midair because he was going so fast, and he just drops like Wiley e. Coyote or something. <laughs> she doesn't need to be fast. Her she her power is better than that. She just it doesn't. She's not so powerful. She has all the powers. That's silly. Well, in this movie, I, yeah. Or well, this character maybe Perf- they're ambiguous, as you said. They're nondescript. Who knows what her powers are? Did you come up with a pitch or how you would have? I mean, we've gone over all the ways they could have made it a little better for if you had to choose this version, this storyline from the comics, which I wouldn't have. Right. I mean, I like, I think you you have two great ideas, which is one, making it a much smaller movie where it's focused on her. Even if you do the big version, she should really be more of the focal. Yes. And that's a great point about if you don't have the flashback and then we're really told from her point of view mm-hmm. the whole way. Um and I really like taking it because she phoenixes at the end of Apocalypse. Why not start right from there? Yeah, that's part of one of my pitches. That mm-hmm. was it, she becomes that phoenix. Yes. She's like, oh my god, I have so much more power than I realized because Professor X opens that up. Then why mm. not? Yeah, just take that ball and run with it right from there. Yeah, that's one of my 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 one pitch. If you were gonna try to do the Dark Phoenix storyline and build off the last movie because this movie almost feels like that movie didn't happen which maybe they were doing intentionally since that other one wasn't well received yeah i have two versions one version is retconning apocalypse this version is not retconning it where it starts right after that movie because i don't know how you how my mind couldn't wrap myself like it couldn't right after apocalypse so much has happened yeah the world would respond but yet this movie is like the world doesn't respond at all and mutants are, are everybody's cool with them does he effectively get rid of all the nukes apocalypse the nuclear weapons he might right in which case who's the global superpower now 
Or maybe this movie would focus on where those nukes go. They like hit another alien world and they're like, hey. <laughs> yeah, this movie starts in outer space. Why not have yeah, the nukes, nukes are all floating around, around in outer space and them, yeah. Chastain grabs them and threatens the world or, you know, they have to go and re- get them back. I don't want to see that. But no, I, I don't, don't want to see Chastain or aliens at all. I don't want it to go to space. I don't, it doesn't need to go to space. No. Save that for the MCU. That's when X-Men can go to space. But for now, they're on our planet. That's where they stay. Yeah, why going to outer space? So I have, right after the battle, Apocalypse is dead. You, basically, this movie is like Rocky 1 into Rocky 2, where it starts out where you see... In Rocky 2, it starts with the end of the first fight. It okay. starts the movie. So this one, you see the same scene that we love in Apocalypse. I like to movie. call it uh, like a TV show. Last time on X-Men. <laughs> yeah. Last time on, the best scene from the movie was right at the end. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You open with go. that. Now we're... Yeah, you... But when she does her powers, when Jean Grey unleashes the Phoenix, which Professor X says to do it unfragments her mind and she starts remembering all the lies that Professor X told her. Right there. Flies away. Maybe she even kills Mystique right there. She might even kill Magneto right there. Whatever you want to do. Flies off to discover her past. So now all the X-Men have to regroup. All of the humanity is going against them. So they have to go undercover, underground. They're Rogue Nation style, right? I like to st- you pull from other movies, you know? We haven't seen the X-Men be like that. Well, that's what got Kimberg into trouble, though, was pulling from Civil War and these <laughs> so Not superhero movies, not superhero movies. Right, 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 right. Pulling from the... Because that's oh. what Marvel does, right? Where they're like, yes, they're modeling exactly. Avengers off of Out of Sight, and they Marvel, uh, they model Civil uh, Winter Soldier off of Three Days of the Condor, even though... Uh, Neither so one So loosely, yeah, but sure. Those, yeah. But right, if that's your inspiration, at least you're not borrowing from the same genre. So they're going Superhero undercover. Was... Wait, that's a lesson about genre, though, like we were just talking. Really quick? Yeah. If Kinberg is borrowing from other superhero movies, but Marvel is thinking, well, these aren't a genre. Yeah. This Captain Good America, point. the genre is going to be political espionage type, surveillance type. And one's a John Hughes movie. Him. Avengers, uh, yeah. Well, the, the Spider-Man will be a John Hughes movie, and then Avengers uh, Endgame will be like an out of sight Ocean's Eleven. It's fun. It's bouncy. It's a time heist. Like those are your genres. See, they are. They understand that there's mm. genre within the superhero genre. So I have in this pitch then Dark Phoenix. Jean Grey goes off, discovers her mom. You know that scene in the movie where there's like she's it's like there's rain and she's laying she's sitting down in like a gutter in the alleyway. Yeah, yeah. it's in the preview. Is it? I think it movie? was another one that looked better in the preview. I can't remember in the movie. Is it in the movie? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, that scene she sees a flashback, but not of her her killing her mom, but not killing her with the, the car accident. Instead, it's like in the kitchen or something, and you just see it from the dad's point of view, where something the mom says or does and. Jean Grey just has like a tantrum, where in this one, in the, the, the version we're seeing in this... Thing. Wait, wait, is this in the movie or this would be in your... This is my pitch. Oh. This is my difference from the pitch. In the movie we see, she doesn't really have a tantrum. She just starts going like, oh, the noise, oh, the noise, and then it's like... In the car. Like, yeah. Okay. Why did you bring up the alley when she's crying in the rain? Because she goes there next, but the alley would be like right near her childhood home, and she starts remembering killing her mom, and basically you'd have a shot of, oh. of the dad walking into the house hearing some converse, some tantrum and then he walks in and you just see you hear like <laughs> crazy firing blast but you don't energy. need her to have a flashback i mean i liked what they did i think you're on the right track but once her power is unleashed just like professor x she can hear in people's heads she hears that her father is a lie out there he she can hear his thoughts and his voice 
Yeah, you could do it that way too. Right, and, and then she goes to see him, yes. and then the thoughts come cutting back. Yes, right, like yeah, I don't think you just need her and near her. The Either way, she goes. Yeah. But actually, that works better for what I'm saying because okay. maybe she goes to visit her dad and then sees his memories. That's what I'm so saying. So she right. sees She's, it from his point of view. Yeah, like I, I like that. Right. So yeah, then he go. goes. Yeah, that good teamwork. He goes into the <laughs> kitchen right after that energy blast happens, and you just see a Jean Grey, like a little girl sitting there at the table, and then you look, and you're, there's, there's a shot of. Well, it looks like a phoenix, but it's all like ash on the wall. And the mom's like burnt bones, fragments and things coming out of the wall. Yeah, we really, we're going dark. This is dark phoenix, baby. We're not (laughs) not messing around. I don't understand the phoenix though. Is the phoenix something she becomes or just a manifestation of her powers? Like, would she have the phoenix back then or she becomes This one is the comic version. While the last stand is, remember, something within her that goes out of control. Yeah. Which is more interesting. And yet that is the version people go, oh, they didn't get it right. Even though I agree. (laughs) (laughs) So I have all the X-Men go on the run. And then I have Jean seeks out Wanda Maximoff, who, if you aren't aware, is Scarlet Witch, the sister of Quicksilver. Sort of teased, I think, in Days of Future Past. She's like a tiny little girl. But in my version, she's like the same age as Quicksilver. Can can, they use her? They have the rights to her too? Of course. What do you mean, of course? They have Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. They have both. They're using Quicksilver. Both are using Quicksilver. How is that okay? Because they the all, they can count them as a mutant in the X-Men universe. And then that's why oh, they... Right. Remember, they were like got their abilities through one of the stones in the MCU. Oh, and, and no, no, that's true. And the one of the stipulations mm-hmm. was Marvel... They fought over this for a while, right? Marvel can use Quicksilver, but they can't refer to him as a mutant. Yes. Right? Neither one of them. They have like abilities, right. they call it, yeah. So that's, I think, because they don't have their own comics. They appear both yes, in the Avengers. Exactly. They're not, it's not like the Incredible Hulk has a line of runs and they, you know, the studio leased his, the rights to that, whereas they just kind of appear yes. periodically. That's why they can't use comics. Silver Surfer until now. Because he's in Fantastic Four, yes. right. He, right. I think it's when you, I don't know. Wherever they're believe. introduced or something? Yeah, probably. So I have Gene goes to Wanda to, she, Wanda Scarlet Witch has the ability to change reality. And so I had Wanda, or Jean uses her to change reality to make mutants the majority. Who would you have play her? Oh. That's an interesting question. I didn't think about that. Keep going and then we'll come back to it. Well, it it kind of goes off my first version of the movie. My first pitch was to do the House of M plotline, which is... What's that? I think House of M, I guess the M is probably Maximoff, which is Magneto, Quicksilver, and and uh, Scarlet Witch. So he's the father of them. So in my other version of the story where it doesn't start, you retcon Apocalypse out, is basically, uh, it's like a soft reboot where you start with Scarlet Witch at home. Uh, mentally, she's kind of losing her mind because she can alter reality and you see her kind of changing reality and it's just like not making sense to her because she's living with, it's kind of how... We're all losing our minds currently because we're living in two different realities. How are we introduced to her? How does she in- get involved in this narrative? She's Scarlet the Witch? start of the movie. We're in her home. But how, what connects her with the X-Men or Jean Grey? She's Quicksilver's... Oh, this is, the, this is my second version. My first version I was describing earlier has Jean seeking out Wanda because she can change reality. My, this other version where you are trying to retcon Apocalypse away starts out with her 
changing reality and making so apocalypse never existed that whole movie never happened <laughs> yeah so quicksilver comes home from the battle and is like i met our dad he's an absentee father he has like another family in germany and he didn't really like recognize me or anything and wait is she changing people's perceptions or is she actually she can change his reality completely oh i don't even know what that means in the what? so in this version is in both of my things uh she changes reality so that mutants are the majority and I have that Magneto is the president of the United States. This is loosely on, on House of M. That it's not exactly how it goes. But in my version, Magneto becomes the president. And Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver are like the, the Kushners and the Ivanka Trumps. You know, they're in the White House with, with Magneto. Mm. And the only people who know that the reality has been changed are Jean Grey, Professor X, because of their mind abilities. They're able to keep track of both realities. Everybody else has has is like. What do you mean both the... reality? I'm so confused about that. I don't. I can't wrap my head around. She changes reality. Do we remember what no. it used to be? She no one else remembers. So she only. But it's not just our perception. So if, if mutants out are the majority, yes. What happens to all the other humans? Does she create new mutants or born yeah. all of a sudden, and the other humans are just yeah, gone and that's dead? Changing reality. But do people, and the people also have no recollection of what came before? There's not like a light mm-hmm. switch where all of a sudden... No, the history has been, is, is changed in her version of events. How is she, what a, what a power that is, my God. I mean, it's like, kind of like a Wizard of Oz type thing. You're almost in a whole new situation, it's completely changed. It's a completely new movie, new world, almost. No, but she's going there. Oh, I guess Oz is creating that world, but... What happens to the old world? You you mentioned there's Professor X and her can see two realities. They're aware yes. of both realities. So the other reality still exists? What is it, mm-hmm. like an alternate plane? Mm, I don't know if a plane, but I think they can undo what Scarlet Wish has done. No, mm. uh, It would be the end of the movie. They'd have to kill her. Once they huh. kill her, she, they change it. Or Jean Grey has to do something else. I don't know. Boy. Interesting stuff. So in one version, I is have... she wait really quick? Is Wanda? You said she was introduced in Apocalypse. Is she the daughter in Poland? To Ma- no, Magneto. No, that's a different. I think that's like Polaris or something. I don't know what her name is. Oh no, she's introduced in Days of Future Past as a little tiny girl with like a tutu and like a little. It's like they're making fun of a Scarlet Witch, where she has like a little oh. um, wand that has like a star on it, but she's like really tiny. What's who is she in that? What's her connection, or how does she appear? Quicksilver's sister. She lives at his house. In oh, the arcade right, right, place right. Now. Or his basement. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, so basically Magneto has gotten his wish, right? Mutants are respected. They're the majority. So he's happy. He's a Fuhrer. He's become what he's hated most. And Professor X has to reveal that to him. Like, this is exactly what you didn't want to, be, to become. Like, you're, hmm. you're becoming the the thing you were fighting against. The thing that gave you that those those numbers on your, your arm. I just, it's, I think it's an interesting storyline. I have a reality changed mid, like not mid movie, but like from one movie to the next. It's like, whoa, that's a, it's just, well, it's a funny, uh, the, my favorite part about her changing the reality and undoing apocalypse is it's basically what a reboot or a, a retcon, retcon is, yeah. right? <laughs> changing the reality. So it's funny to have, if you're going to have mutants with powers and that's one of their powers that if you're like, let's just forget that movie ever existed. Let's Rocky five that movie. Can we? That's a funny uh, idea. That was my pitch. I thought that would be... So now, okay, casting. 
fast. Oh yeah, she's now because yeah, Wanda Maximoff plays a huge role in this. Very tough. I like Elizabeth Olsen a lot. I'm not. I mean, she can play both. That would be kind of cool. <laughs> I mean, I probably pick you know the actress of the moment. It'd be like Florence Pugh or somebody. Hmm. Or like your girl Jane Levy, maybe. They don't have to have red hair. I'm, not, I'm just picking. I guess not. Florence Pugh doesn't have red hair, but people who've had no, red hair. not Jane Levy. Who would it, who would be good? I say Jessica Chastain. No. <laughs> <laughs> She's so much older. Than I guess theoretically she brother. could. I mean, well, they have no. They've paid no attention to age at all. Nobody's aged at all. She could be too old. Who cares? <laughs> Why? There's one person aged and nobody else did. She's changing reality. She became older in this new reality. <laughs> Man, that, that would actually be kind of interesting if she's played by like a... First of all, this in this version, Dark Phoenix, the little girl who plays Jean Grey, I did not like... I didn't think... No. It does like, not look like she so grows up to be Hopefully you don't Sophie cast Turner. her to be the young Wanda and then it becomes Jessica Chastain when, she's, when she changes reality. That would be interesting. That would be like 13 going on 30 <laughs> X-Men <laughs> version without comedy. No Lana Condor. As Jubilee. Lana Condor. Which I love. I love her in Deadly Class, a show that was canceled. Found out that that there's no hope of it being renewed. It's a great show. She's the star of another big Netflix rom com. We had a, we were talking about rom coms. That's why she wasn't in this, oh. she said. What's it called? I think I might I To that. All the Boys I've Loved? Before. Before? Yeah. That's it. Yeah, so I liked I, I Jubilee's such a big character, even though I don't know her. I feel like her powers were kind of lame. She was such a big character in the TV series in the 90s. So I feel like... That's true. They gave her two lines or whatever it was in the Apocalypse, and she doesn't use her pa- I don't. She doesn't use her powers once. I'm surprised you want her in it, though. She's another one of those people. What are her powers? Well, just make them up. Make them up for the movie that are... Uh, or give her... Doesn't she just have those kind of electric yeah. blasts? That... I think they're like little balls of energy or something. Yeah, what the hell is that? Like I'm surprised. Those, I feel like those are the characters you're just always railing up. against. No, no, I'm just saying adapt the powers and make them definable <laughs> and more interesting for the film. All right. But the look of the character... No, I'd love to have Lana Condor in this movie. They could definitely use more Lana Condor in, in Dark Phoenix. And Jubilee. The fun name. That's a bouncy name. Yeah. It fills me with jubilation. Honestly, because uh, thinking about the pitch, yeah, I don't. I, to, I part of the big problem with this movie is it doesn't feel like it needs to exist. Like, well, there's also new, no new powers either. That's like a big. I mean, your boy Nathan Raven was talking about how that's like usually, yeah, the thing. The reason you want to go to see a new X Men is like the funky powers that you haven't seen before, and the only one we get is that Dazzler scene at the party out in the. In the in the wilderness, and don't forget dreadlocks, man. The guy with his dreadlock, he's yeah, uh, that attack people. Yeah, he was. Yeah, I don't know, but no, he was not cool. I like Dazzler. I know I didn't say he was cool. Oh. I was just like eh. Dazzler. Oh, I, I thought you were going. Le- I, I thought that was a positive. More... Uh, <laughs> no, it was like a. I can. No, I didn't. No, he was no good. Oh, especially because the people he's fighting. Yes. If again, not dreadlock mutant. man fighting Storm, a goddess. Does not make any sense. She should. <laughs> was she? Wasn't it Dreadlock Man fighting just like regular human aliens who just run at you? Remember those aliens? Or is he fighting end? beasts? Who I don't know who's who fighting just run who? at you. Remember those guys? Yeah, like, wow, they're ridiculous. Great powers. They what were they trying to do? And once one guy runs at Jean Grey directly at her, and she 
vaporizes him or turns him into a bunch of building blocks. Why would the other guys just keep running at him to the yeah. same fate? What? The- yeah. I liked Dazzler. I like that. I wish she was in more of the movie. I wish the other girl who, uh, what's her name? Kota Eberhardt. She had a cool look. She that had was a cool look. She was Magneto's like second in command sidekick. She had a really interesting yeah. look. I liked her. She seemed more like a model than an actress. Like when they gave her lines, she her face just didn't move at all. <laughs> what were her powers? Do we know? Do we remember? I don't remember. I don't think so. Oh, speaking of that with Magneto when he's trying to move the helicopter. That was the one time I was like, this doesn't seem like Fassbender really has powers of moving. No, it seemed like he was not really. Like the thing about Apocalypse when he's like moving all the metal yeah, in the earth, yeah, yeah. the whole earth, and he's like having a trouble time with this like helicopter. I know Jean Grey's also well, she's interacting going with it against too, him. Yeah, but, but yeah, I agree. It's, he's he looked what it was well better shot too by by uh, Brian Singer. Brian Singer, and uh, like I think it's because it's shooting like it's like moving and it's above. him. I was gonna say when you said like, this Dark Phoenix is well shot, scenes like that aren't where you, yes, yeah you're, you're taken point. out of it, even yeah, though. Like, Fastbender really looks like you know the way he's, the veins are popping yes. out. And he's like in those right. scenes, it's you're like, wow, you're fault. really committing. <laughs> it no, really he, looks like you're trying as hard as you can. But too, the way it's shot yeah. looks silly. It makes yeah. them. That's a good point. It's the way it's shot because it's way too far away from him. He need to be really close to him and see the veins. You almost can't even see them. You notice that? And remember when the she's crushing his uh, famous iconic Magneto helmet at the end, mm-hmm. and the shot is really tight. It's in the trailer. It's a great yes. shot. Really tight close up. That yes. does so much more than yeah. When it's too wide, it makes it look Sicilian like, and you just takes you out of it, and you're like, this is just an actor yes. holding his palms up, but he doesn't actually have any powers or anything. It like, it made it so much less believable. Speaking of powers too, nobody does anything clever or cool with their powers. Like if you rewatch, one of the things I loved about X Men Two, which makes it a superior sequel. Oh, something we should highlight. X-Men 2, yes. top of the genre. Of, yes. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, I spent so long oh, no. saying how superheroes oh, no. are in genre. X-Men 2, definitely a top five, uh, even all these years later, definitely a top five superhero movie. Definitely better than the original, probably objectively. Oh, for sure. Yeah, not it's even... It's also s- an underrated, such an underrated... No one ever mentions a great villainous turn from Brian Cox, who yeah. just always puts it in work, always and no good. one ever... Gives him his due, but some, that, some people yeah. do. But like only like real, not enough, not, not enough. enough. And th- 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 that performance should be brought up all the time. When he, I'm watching Succession the first, and I'm like, I'm kind of into this. And then he goes into like a coma at the end of episode one, and I said, I'm done with this. Uh, <laughs> this is why I wanted to watch the show. Yeah, I was enjoying watching him. Now I'm changing the channel, and all I had to do was blink my eyes. You wouldn't believe it. <laughs> I'm that guy. No, the X2 is definitely better. But the powers yeah. are, everybody uses their powers so cleverly. Mm-hmm. Yes. They get into suspenseful scenes, and then, oh, my power would be useful here, and they do something cool with their powers. They, they That happens less and less as the X-Men movies go on. And in Dark Phoenix, nobody ever uses their powers. Everyone's just blasting. I'm blasting my red laser eyes. I'm blasting lightning out of my hands. It's so rote and mm. generic nothing. Nobody does anything cool or clever with their powers. No, you have Mystique, who's great in that movie, using them all the time. She pretends to be Brian Cox at one point. Well, that movie being which? X2. You have Wolverine has a great storyline that they, again, I don't know why Fox repeats storylines. They repeat it again (laughs) 
in Wolverine Origins. Where it's so much better when it's yes. just these flashes. It's yes. so artistically done. It looks like a Darren Aronofsky movie or something. Well, it's like Avengers. Think about it, like Avengers. We were like, wow, I can't believe they pulled off all these superheroes together. X-Men X, X2 really did it so well yeah. way earlier. And True. I don't think it gets right. credit. That's a good point. It does such a good job of balancing all of those characters. Mm. Magneto, remember when he's powers. in his prison where it's all plastic? Yeah. That one's really good. And uh, Jean Grey has a good storyline throughout that one. I love Ryan Cox, the scene where he's with Professor X and he has him like hooked up with his like his his son Jason is mm-hmm. like making it so that he Professor X can't use his mind telekinesis abilities. But then Professor X is like figures out Brian Cox's plan and Brian Cox is like, oh My God, you didn't even have to read my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, you get Wolverine fighting um what's her oh, name? Kelly Hugh. Kelly Hugh. But what was, who's she playing? Basically, female Wolverine. She yeah. has long blades that come out of her fingers, and they fingernails not yeah. out of her knuckles, yeah. out of her fingernails. They have a cool scene where the where he was made. That's a cool scene. Wolverine Does she fighting. heal too? I don't know. Yes, she's a, she's like the same powers. Oh, he's like he just found because remember that's the scene with Brian Cox. And Brian Cox is like, I used to think you were so unique, you know, one of a kind. No, wasn't not true. <laughs> and he kills her by like filling her with adamantium, right? Which... In the place where he was filled. Right, right, right. That's a great for all the writers out there. That's a great way to structure it. Let's see. Deathstrike. That's her name. Great name. Sounds like she would be a Batman. It would be Deathstroke, Deadshot, and Deathstrike. I think in the comics, it, I, maybe in the movie too, it's Lady Deathstrike. They don't, I don't think they call her lady. I think it's offensive and Un- unnecessary. If there's not a male death strike, I guess. Overall feeling? Dark Phoenix? Oh, I didn't, I didn't I, hate it. I didn't hate it. I didn't think it was terrible. It's, it's one of those bad, funny movies but, where you would never want to defend it. It's certainly yes. not good. Yes. It's certainly a lot of the choices leave you scratching your head. But yeah, watching it, like I said, Fastbender is always so intense. He's fun in these in that role. Sophie Turner is so interesting to watch. What a cool face. It's nice seeing her. And it's not painful to watch. It's very, yeah, it's like very watchable, even though it's certainly not good. But it's, yeah, it's just not painfully bad or irritatingly bad. Yeah, that's that's it. You don't get really excited or... Nothing's very suspenseful. You feel anything. Yeah, you, you just... It's, I enjoy the score and... It's weird that it's, it's not visuals. more boring, given yes. that... Right, there's that. no scene is suspenseful, no scene is exciting, no scene is very funny. You I, don't I don't care about money of the characters. You're not invested. Gray, maybe right, a people die. You could care less. You're not really that into it. For some reason, it's very watchable. I don't know why that would be. What <laughs> I can't really explain that to be honest. Like it should be more boring, given that nothing hooks you in. And well, I mean, I guess if you just say it's got a great it's a the, the launching pad for a movie star who used to just be a tv star in sophie turner and then you also have mcavoy playing a villain to a character we've never seen be portrayed that way it's usually portrayed as the ultimate good guy martin luther king type he's more bad than magneto is more good in yes, this one yeah. exactly and Magne- and then you get fastbender so it's like those three i guess you could and then you're just like what's chastain doing in this movie as an albino alien <laughs> <laughs> trying to just figure out everybody else's place in this and you, or like your thoughts where they're not even movie related where you're like oh nicholas holt and jennifer lawrence they 
used to be together. Yeah, yeah. And now they have to. Act yeah, maybe that's why I was interested. Have just thinking of no all those chemistry <laughs> choices. Yeah, it. It's a mind-boggling picture. The the I really would have loved to have seen the original ending, even if it was bad. I don't know why you spend all the money to shoot this on the this train sequence and then her. The effects are terrible. Some with Gene Gray at the end. Some people, yeah, they're really bad. I was hearing some people were saying that they didn't even that the reshoots on this one weren't even as extensive as the other X Men movies and other superhero movies that they actually were more minor, and that oh. they were the changes they were making were earlier in the process. Oh. It used to be a two-parter at one point. Right, it was a two-parter. And like I told you, the the scrolls were involved. I mean, it yeah. changed drastically. Yeah, the whole... Ty Sheridan was describing the like the uh, one of the endings. I don't even know it's the one they shot, but the they all end up at the United Nations, and they're trying to speak, and then Jean Grey shows up, and then they find her, fight her off, and she blasts off. I don't think that would have been any better. But yeah, the ending just felt random and small and poorly shot and just... There had to be a better yeah. way to go. I don't know what the original was, but I can't imagine it would have been worse or less anticlimactic. Even the set piece in that house, that row house, which we talked about doesn't make any sense. So Chastain takes Sophie Turner. I need to show you something. And they travel all this way, and she walks up, and then they have to go into the house and upstairs and down the hall and into this room. And then Chastain... Whoa, you, because have to, she's, you, have to, you have to mention that it seems like she's joining like... A, like uh, eyes wide shut type cult where there's all these alien people standing around like right. get ready for this where you're going it's going to be really amazing setting the audience up for that and then she you have to join me in this room I have to show you something and then they go into a regular bedroom and because she's an alien she creates what looks like the if you went to the science center and you were in the mm-hmm, IMAX planetary. auditorium yeah. and it's everywhere all around you, outer space, and she's showing her the cosmos and the galaxy. But you'd have to think, well, if Jessica Chastain had this power, why couldn't she just do this out on the street? Why couldn't she do this anywhere? Why did they have to come to this particular house, to that particular room? There's nothing special about this house in that room. No, maybe that was maybe that was explained in the second part of <laughs> Dark Phoenix. <laughs> There's a deleted scene where, just, where she's just like, let me tell you about this room. Let me tell you why we went here instead of that room across the street. What if Chastain, what or, if there's a scene where Chastain and her alien sidekick are looking at real estate and the realtor's showing them in this house? And then we have a cosmos room and there's a, a two bedroom, two bath, and then down the hall, there's this strange planetarium cosmos room you can use if you're trying to convince an all-powerful mutant to join your alien race. Perfect for that. <laughs> and Chastain says, oh, I'm sold. But does it include utilities, water and power? <laughs> and how much does that cosmos room? What kind of uh, electricity? Pretty, does that run up the electricity bill? That cosmos bright. planetarium room? It's going to be pretty bright on the second floor. And I have a planetarium up there. No, the uh, that scene makes no sense either. We actually didn't mention it. Like Chastain's like, pitch is like, you could do more than just save humans and be with friends you could do way more and i feel like gene's like not a great pitch what do you mean you're showing me like i have limitless energy and i could be more creative with my powers and then not explaining any reason any things i could do she's like you could i control wish the whole universe you're like what does that even what's i wish the gene gray said that you're being so vague with what i can do and then if chastain was like well your powers are pretty vague <laughs> and then gene gray which this is in the trailer says who are you and then, Chastain goes, the real question is, 
Who are you? <laughs> Which is not an answer <laughs> no. at all. I hope she says, who are you? She might actually say like... No, she does. She does, right? Okay. Question I'm going to put that in. Who are you? And you're just like, ugh. It makes you roll your eyes and go, no one's seeing this movie. <laughs> no one's going to... If that's in your trailer, get ready. I think that's going to wrap it up for the Jensen Brothers. We've had enough of the X-Men. Dark Phoenix. The Fox X-Men are done. We'll see what Marvel does with them. Yeah, I'm excited. It's funny because... Marvel, we you know, seems like they can do no wrong, and yes. everything they get their hands on, you're like, God, they just get it, you know. Whereas yeah. DC is so I misguided, or or even Sony with Spider Man, they just get it. But Patrick Stewart, really, what when those comics when you grew up with Professor X, when they cast Patrick Stewart, you're like, God, he really, that's the guy, you know. Mm. And I now, I had heard Angela Bassett was who Brian Singer wanted, and when you look at Storm in the comics, boy. Oh wow, Angela Bassett with her arm, you know, with the, her tone, yeah. arms, and she's just such a powerful presence. She would have been so much better I, than Halle Berry. I really thought you meant as Professor X. No, no, no. <laughs> I was like, wow, really radical choice by Brian Singer. <laughs> He's gonna shave Angela Bassett's head. He's no, that would have been cool a too. Black now female yeah. Professor X. Let's go. And Angela Bassett could pull that off. If anybody could, that would be cool. Now I want to see that. Well, she would have been a good Storm too. I agree. She would have been a great Storm. Yeah, much uh, better than Halle. But for what they did get right, if we're talking about how Marvel gets everything right, Patrick Stewart and obviously Hugh Jackman, the and great McClellan, and McClellan, yeah, no, no, yes, uh, all of those. I mean, they just nailed them. I mean, that's who those guys. I like Famke Jansen too. I feel like Famke she Jansen doesn't get her great. praise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Rebecca Romaine as Mystique was really great in the first. I two, thought when one, you were starting to bring up Marvel, two. I thought you were gonna say you can't wait for them to handle X Men and mutants, but we brought up they handled. A mutant, and we didn't. They handled Quicksilver, and they. At the Not time, right. I thought yeah. they they were going to be the one victorious because Quicksilver looked ridiculous in the Fox version, but then he just so much better. So we'll. I hopefully. And the way they do him, yes, running, running in fast motion, better. the X Men movies is so far superior to what they did in Avengers: Age of Ultron. We should mention one last thing. Yes, I, this might be a weird note to end on. No, no, no. That's how we end every. We didn't know who Ben Foster was at the time of Last Stand. Uh-huh. Is it really? Crazy to look back, even if you just look at the cover to X Men: The Last Stand with Ben Foster with his like beach blonde hair mm. and angel wings and no shirt on. His his posture, he's really like flexing his chest out. He looks ridiculous. I can't believe that so, person became the Ben Foster that we know, know. today. It's the opposite. If you watch Galveston, or as I like to call it, Cigarettes the movie. <laughs> that how did that guy begin as Angel Man with wings or like Hell or High Water? Yeah, I mean, my God, I guess it's a Morrison thing, or even Maybe. the mechanic, the right. Jason Statham. Ben Foster is such a wild card, and mm. I, like Marsden, like we were, mentioning. yeah, yeah, yeah. Ben Flipped Foster our, is a great example of a Marsden. That's right. all the X Men's are good for, right? We were yeah. supposed to be thinking of, yeah, all the, all the talent they wasted. <laughs> we later, it takes us five to ten years to find out, like, holy crap, that guy's a really good actor. <laughs> I had no idea. All right, on that note, yeah, let's do it. All right, that's enough. That'll be a wrap. The sequel discussion to be continued.